Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. You are living hope. Man, that is something to be excited about, isn't it? That you don't have to go through life alone. And when you feel like you're alone or you feel like there is no hope, there is hope and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's so good to see you here on this, the first, the, the front end of spring break. Why don't you high five, or maybe don't high five anybody today. Just say, what up? And you can take a seat today if you would. If you would. Hey, so good. So good. I, I sent out an email uh, yesterday, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are worried uh, seem to be worried about the coronavirus, COVID-19, the flu, call it what you want to call it. Um, but uh, we want you to know that we try to take the, the precautionary measures as a church. But also uh, the school that we're in uh, takes those measures as well. So we kind of uh, get the best of both worlds. Not only are we trying to take care of it, but also the school. And um, I found out that they actually clean with hospital grade uh, cleaning supplies and products and all that stuff. So uh, come on, it's because it cleans the hospital in here. I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, but uh, we we try to definitely uh, take precautions uh, as as noted. So uh, anyway, so normally we're a high five type of church, a hugging type of church. Uh, so uh, today we're trying to just be like, yo, what's up? Glad you're here. Good to see you. you know, head nods and all those stuff. So super good. Well, hey, um, I said last week I got to uh, be with the kids and 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 teach our kids and man we had a great time. Uh, but today uh, I'm I'm excited today and, and and this person doesn't need any introduction. I, I just wanted to get up here and introduce her because she's my wife and uh, and I was like you know what I'm gonna introduce my wife I'm gonna give honor to my wife and uh, man our household is better because of Kristen. Uh, this church is better because of my wife. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm just so excited today uh, that you get a chance to hear her. Uh, she helps co-lead this church with me. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so in, in love with my wife and so honored today that she gets to come and speak to you and that you get to hear from her. I'm telling you, she's got a word from the Lord today. And I promise if you lean in, you'll hear Jesus speaking through her today. So why don't y'all give it up, no further ado, to my awesome wife. Kristen Pierce, come on, y'all stand up, give her, come on, give her a round of applause, come on, come on. Not worry about no coronavirus right here, come on. No, no corona. <laughs> awesome, thank you Hope Rising Church for that warm welcome. I'm so excited to speak to you today. I know I say that a lot. If you have been in a group of mine or if you go to conference, I think I start the emails and all that out the same way every time. I'm so excited, but I am so excited because I know that God has given me a word today and I know that he's gonna bless your heart. So what a day to be alive, right? What a day to be in the house of the Lord in this beautiful weather and spring break coming up. All the teachers said hallelujah, amen. So. So I'm um, so excited to be here today and speaking. Um, I must admit that today's message has taken me years to compile all of the information, to compile all of the life experiences. Um, it's taken me years, lots of tears, lots of really hard times, but I know that it's going to bless you today. So 
If you know me at all, you know that I am a note taker. So in college, while everybody had out their laptops and their devices, I was, you know, the nerd that had the notebook, you know, the spiral notebook that, with a pen that actually writes in the notebook. And so I would just like 90 to nothing write down these notes just because it helps me remember. So I encourage you, take notes today because God is going to speak to your heart and I want you to be able to go back and remember what God has done and spoken to you in this time. So take notes, dive in and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Can we agree to, to do that this morning? Amen. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into what God has for you this morning. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you have called us. I thank you that you're here, Jesus, and that your presence, God, is changing us. You're pushing us to grow, Father. You're pushing us to be better, and it's through your son, Jesus, that we can do all of this. God, I pray that seeds are planted today. I pray that seeds grow deep in our hearts, that you water them, and then they flourish. God, we give this message to you. God, anoint me as I speak to your beloved people, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive in. Today's message is entitled, Joy in the Struggle. Joy in the struggle. How many of you could use some joy in your lives? How many of you had some struggles and you're like, joy in the struggle? That's like an oxymoron. But yes, we're going to learn today how to have joy in the struggle. So before we really get going into the meat of it, I just wanted to give you some really great life hacks for when you're having a bad day. Is that cool? Some life hacks for you, some tools in your toolbox there. First thing, number one. Really great life hack for when you're having a bad day. Don't run from your problems. Sit on the couch. Play on your phone and ignore them like all the other adults. Number two, if you need to lose some wrinkles fast, a rattlesnake bite should do the trick. You'll get that later. It'll be great. Number three, having a bad day, put some sunglasses on and feel like you're having a bad night instead. Rushing out of your house in the morning because you're late? Simply spread some toothpaste on some toast, and boom, you walk away with something to eat, and you brush your teeth. Winning! Try that out. Next, can you hear something strange coming from your car? Just turn up the volume in your radio, and you can blissfully ignore it. You done that? <laughs> Our hoopty. You know what? That hoopty don't have a payment, so turn it up, baby. Um, last one, and I think this is the most effective. When you want to slap someone, do it and yell, mosquito. <laughs> do that to your neighbor. Slap them and say, mosquito. No, no takers? Okay. Use it this week. It's going to be a blessing, I promise. Maybe not to your boss, but maybe, you know, a friend, a coworker. <laughs> mosquito. So those are some really great life hacks for you. I hope you can really utilize them um, this week. All right, all right, let's jump in. So joy in the struggle. I think before we can really learn how to have joy in the struggle, I think we need to take a look at what joy is. And I can define it like this. Joy is not happiness. I think a lot of times they go hand in hand and we may, you know, look it up on the interwebs, on the Googles, and it comes up with happiness, right? God wants us to be happy, right? Well, that is a little bit true, but joy is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion. I think we can all agree with that. Joy 
though, is tied deeply to your spirit. So we can say it like this. Happiness is tied to your circumstances. Joy is tied to your spirit. This is why you can choose joy. See, being joyful doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. You know, no one is happy or joyful all of the time. Those experiences, they come and they go. Joy is constantly tied to your spirit and hearts by gratitude and faith in God. I looked up the words in, um, in the Greek. I know I went there. I went Greek, y'all. Um, so in a study of the words, happiness versus joy, I think we can see a lot about the difference in these words. The Greek word for happiness is used to describe someone that received a good fortune or some outside circumstance, outside circumstances. The Greek word for joy, it's a culmination of our eternal being and the mood of our soul. See, joy is constantly tied to your spirit and heart by gratitude and faith in God. In fact, Nehemiah 8.10 says simply, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is only found in God. So essentially, God is the source of all joy. And joy comes to you by freedom of choice. So joy will come into your life, but you have to choose it. See, God gave us all freedom to choose Him, to choose life, and also to choose joy. So now that we've kind of taken a little bit of a dive into what is joy, I think it's important to know what stands in the way of joy. What stops, what, what hangs up joy in your life? I'm so glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. What stands in the way of joy, and I think we can attest to today's culture, is fear. Fear. The opposite of joy is fear. The grip of fear in our lives causes us to lose that joy. So I really wanted to just ponder on like, what do we fear as people? What do we fear nowadays? It was probably a lot different back in the Bible, maybe not so different, but today I think we, we fear scarcity. Like you look at the shelves in the stores, the water bottles and the um, disinfectant and all that scarcity. We fear that. That's why we buy 15 um, packages of water bottles when a hurricane comes. You know, we fear scarcity. We fear lack and like we're not measuring up. That's why Pinterest is so popular, <laughs> right? We, we want to be the mom that does all the, the cool Pinterest things and plans all the cool parties. We want to measure up. We want to drive that fly ride, you know? We want to look good with our friends and keep up with the Joneses, right? What else do we fear? We fear loss. If you've ever lost someone that's dear and near to your heart, you fear that. Or maybe you fear death. It's a, it's a real thing. You fear loss. Maybe you feel vulnerability, like you know, joining a group or, you know, when you want to go to another level in a friendship, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. Been burned too many times. I'm afraid of being vulnerable and laying my heart out there with people. We're afraid of vulnerability. Fear of the darkness around you. And I think we see that with the coronavirus. 
This is not the only virus that has ever been, and it is not the only virus that will ever be. And while it's very serious, we as believers cannot let that fear grip our hearts. We fear the darkness around us. Sometimes we're so afraid of the dark that we don't dare let ourselves experience joy. Listen to this, and I want this to settle in your hearts. The dark does not destroy the light. It defines it. It's our fear of the dark that casts our joy into the shadows. I'll say that again. The dark does not destroy the light. It defines it. It's our fear of the dark that casts our joy into the shadows. Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We have to get out of the way of our own selves when it comes to joy and fear. We must surrender that fear to God. And any root that it's taken in our heart, we have to give it to him. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. He delivers us from our fears. So now that we've dived into what's joy and what stands in the way of joy, I think we can, it's safe to say we can learn how to choose joy in our struggle. How do you choose joy in your struggle? You see, pain and suffering, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but pain and suffering, it's going to happen. It's unavoidable, and I think you know that. We've all had struggles. James 1-2 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. If I'm being honest, I hate that scripture. <laughs> There's just some scriptures I'm like, I do not like that because it tells me when troubles of any kind come your way, consider, oh yeah, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's like, you know, whenever you're going through a review, at, you know, at your job, it's like, here's an opportunity for you to grow. That means I suck at this and I need to get better, right? So I'm like, oh great, consider it joy. It's an opportunity of great joy when you struggle. Yes, James, sounds great in the Bible, but when you live that out, it's rough, right? In this life, it's guaranteed you will have struggles. But let me ask you this. Why do we continually read the Bible? Ask yourself that. Why do I read the Bible? Why do I continue? You know, you hear Bible studies and Tuesday nights, we're having a women's Bible study. We're diving into Philippians and learning how to study the Bible. Shameless plug. Um, every Tuesday night, seven o'clock, sign up after church. Um, why do we do that? Why do we study the Bible? Because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit spoke to me last couple of groups ago. He spoke to me and he said, because there will be a test. You study, my friend, because in your life there will be a struggle and there will be a test. See, many of us, you and I, we're smart. We don't want to feel discomfort. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want our kids to feel pain. We don't want our little doggies to feel pain. None of us want to feel pain. We want comfort, right? We want comfort clothes. 
I mean, these heels are really high and I'm like, I can't wait until I can change into my Adidas after service. I want comfort. I don't want achy feet. We want comfort food. Come on, we want mashed potatoes, chicken fried steak, mac and cheese. Amen. I knew I'd get some amens off foodies out here. You are hungry. (laughs) We want comfort, comfort food. We want comfort in, okay? Maybe not comfort in. (laughs) Maybe the Marriott. But anyways, it's comfort, right? We don't want the hard things in life. We want comfort. In fact, have you ever heard of this? Um, It's the comfy hoodie. Have you ever heard of that? Past couple of years, it's pop. Yeah, you've heard of it. Uh huh. Okay. Um, we all throw. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I was googling this, and I found Homeboy in the middle. I was like, No, he didn't. Oh my gosh. So that's the comfort hoodie. So this, believe it or not, is the number five selling item. It was on Shark Tank. The number five product that they created for Shark Tank. And out of all those seasons, within one year, you know what this sucker netted? Not netted. Revenue? 70 million. 70 million in one year. People want comfort. (laughs) Exhibit A, 70 million. So um, I read a little bit about it, and his son, the creator's son, was sitting on the couch in one of his old hoodies, and he had it pulled over his legs, and he was like, the comfy. (laughs) That's where it came from. We want comfort. We want comfort. In this life, you will struggle. In fact, a lot of times you may think to yourself, man, this is harder than I thought. This is harder than I thought. In fact, there's a story I heard about a young man who graduated with a psychology degree, and he wanted to be a psychiatrist. He was a Christian, and he was ready to go out in the workforce. He'd completed all of his classes, and he completed his internships, and he showed up in the hospital that he was going to work in, and very first day, had on his coat, looked all good, he came to the job. He showed up, and out of one of the rooms outruns a lady in a hot pink bathrobe, fuzzy slippers, curlers, crazy eyes, runs out of her room and she proclaims, I am Mary, mother of Jesus. And this young guy looks around and he said, this is harder than I thought. This is harder than I thought. In fact, when you're raising kids, maybe you look around and I know I can't say the things that I thought I would never say as a mother. They're just really inappropriate. But there's things you're like, don't do that, you know, um, But Welby and I look at ourselves, look at each other a lot, and we're like, this is harder than I thought. You know when that precious little lamb crawls into your bed about 3 a.m., and you have to speak the next morning, and he begins to sob, and (laughs) Pastor Welby takes him back to his room. I roll over. Thank you for doing that, by the way. I roll over, and I say, man, this is harder than I thought. You may say that, too, with raising your kids. But maybe you say something else uh, about that in your life. Wow, this is harder than I thought. You hear the saying, the struggle is real. It really is. Struggles are real and they're hard. So you lean into your struggle by leaning into Jesus. Number one, lean into your struggle by leaning 
into Jesus. And you lean into your struggles by identifying the emotions that you're feeling. You lean into those. Identify the emotions. What are the movements of your heart? You see, a lot of times emotions get a bad rap because we think, I don't want to be led by emotion, my emotions, right? You don't want to be that guy or that girl who's always emotional, always drama, right? But emotions are actually God-given. And so we lean into those emotions about indicators of where we're at in our struggle. And as you're leaning into those, you don't numb. You don't numb. So you lean into those emotions and you don't numb. Numbing can be many things. I mean, pick your poison, right? There's alcohol, there's drugs or pills, there's food, comfort food, yes, mashed potatoes. There is sex, maybe that's your your poison, or shopping, hello Target. There's so many Amazon, um, these, these enablers that enable us to shop, but we numb. Maybe it's surfing the internet for you, or you're just scrolling Facebook or Instagram for hours, or maybe you're just watching movies or zoning out with TV, which some of these things in, themse- in the, their selves are not bad. But when we go to these things, when we lean into these things and we numb and we take away those emotions that God has given us, that's where it gets dangerous. We use anything to numb our pain, and we do. Numbing is dangerous because Whenever you numb the really hard parts in your life, you also numb the really good and the joyful things. So when we are picking our poison or we're numbing, we don't experience the joy that God also has for us. We numb so we can cope, right? We numb so we can cope with the struggles of life and we can get through another day. You say, I need a drink because I need to take the edge off, right? You've heard that like, I mean, and I don't drink and sometimes I'm like, maybe I just need to take the edge off. You know, that's kind of, a, a right? We've said that. We're like, we don't drink, but today, if we did, it would be on because it, it takes the edge off, right? We cope with the struggles of life. Can I tell you, my friend, that we as believers in Christ, we were not made to cope. We were not made to numb. We were made to be victorious in Jesus as we lean in to Jesus. Amen. That's right. (laughs) See, Jesus knew that struggles and suffering was unavoidable. Jesus knew. Before he died, a gruesome death on the cross, in fact, that he knew was coming, before he died, he prayed this in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. In the message, it says this, and I love this version. Jesus prays, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? At once, an angel from heaven was at his side, strengthening him. He prayed on all the harder. Sweat wrung from him like drops of blood and poured from his face. This Savior, our Savior, experienced so much suffering in his life. 
In fact, he felt agony. He felt betrayed. Have you ever been betrayed? I have. He's felt that. He felt the betrayal. He felt the rejection. Maybe you're afraid of being rejected or you have been rejected. He felt that. He felt that. He prayed so hard with such intensity that sweat poured from him. Like he prayed that hard. God, take this suffering from me. Yet he asked in the middle of it, God, what do you want? Not my will, but what do you want? And during all of his pain and all of his praying and all of his seeking, do you know what God did? He comforted him. He comforted him. While Jesus poured his heart out to God the Father, his circumstances didn't change. The cross had to happen. Salvation had to happen for all of mankind, for you and for me. But God did something for his son who he loved. He sent an angel to comfort him in the darkest, in the scariest, in the most difficult struggle of his life. So my friend, you may feel like you're in a struggle right now. Heaven knows that we felt that struggle, babe. And you know what? God may not change your circumstances right away, but I am telling you that your father loves you and that he will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to walk with you through the biggest struggles of your life. You lean into Jesus. You lean into that struggle. You feel it, but then you lean into Jesus so you can get through it. Lean into Jesus. Number two, actively practice gratitude. Actively practice gratitude. So we've leaned into Jesus. We've got that going. Number two, actively practice gratitude. You see, people that practice gratitude are full of joy. You'll find that most things in your life will not change unless you are proactive, right? Finding a new job, getting healthy, cleaning your house. Um, you know, it's interesting that our house, it doesn't clean itself. I'm just looking for that. I'm looking for the dryer that folds the clothes. I really, y'all invent that, please. I will buy it. I don't care how much money, we'll loan it out, right? We'll, we'll do a little loan. So I'm looking for that day. But you have to be deliberate and you have to practice things to see results. Romans 15, 13 says this, and I want you all to take a look at this scripture. I pray that God, the source of hope, will completely, uh, with joy and peace, sorry, will fill, I missed that word, sorry, let's start again. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4, 8 says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, much of the Bible is laid out for us. If you do this, God will do this. It takes action on our behalf because God gives us the freedom of choice. If you take a step, your heavenly father takes a step towards you, but you've got to take the step. You've got to take the action.
action because things don't just happen in our lives. We take action to them because you trust in that scripture, action. Fix your thoughts, action. If you want more joy, we have to practice a mind, heart, and attitude of gratefulness. And you can practice gratitude by things like keeping a journal of things you're thankful for, writing thank you notes weekly. We have them in my house called Thankful Thursdays. And every Thursday we write a thank you note. Writing a list of things you're grateful for. Always adding to your prayers what you're grateful for. Daily affirmations. Have y'all heard of these? Daily affirmations where you just say truths from the word of God of who you are in Christ. Those are amazing. So how do you have joy in your struggle? You, learn, you lean into Jesus. Number two, you actively practice gratitude. And number three, you let joy grow during your struggle. Let joy grow. Pastor Welby said it a couple of weeks ago, what you starve dies and what you feed grows. What you starve dies and what you feed grows. Let joy grow. I challenge you, let joy grow. Don't you dare let the enemy keep you from collecting the treasures of war, you know, the spoils of war, every struggle, every battle that you face. Those are your treasures. You better walk out of a struggle like, I learned some lessons. I learned some stuff. I may come out with bruises and cuts and, you know, all, all the shrapnel hits, but you learn. You say, no, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. In fact, we heard a story at the women's conference of a lady who had been through so much, and she was talking to a missionary, and the missionary said, you know, the difference between American prayers and prayers of those overseas is American prayers, we pray things away. Go, sickness away, you know, which we should. I mean, that's great to do. Like, struggles away. I'm struggling. Pray for me that it would go away. But do you know what they pray a lot of times overseas? Help me struggle well. Help me struggle well. God, I know that I'm in this season. Help me carry this season with honor and with you by my side. They don't shoo it away. They say, God, may I be responsible in this struggle. May I struggle strong. James 1, 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The second part of that is, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Amen. Let it grow. When it's fully developed, you'll lack nothing, the Bible says. God is the source of growth, and all growth comes from God. Like we mentioned earlier, Jesus did not avoid suffering, but he saw it a part of his growth path. So let joy grow during the struggles of all kinds in your life. Let your joy grow towards God, your heavenly Father. Let your joy grow towards yourself. Maybe you are really hard on yourself. Let joy grow towards yourself and let joy grow towards others. You can't do this alone. You can't struggle alone. It will kill you inside. It will eat you up inside. 
You are not designed to go through life alone and isolated. God's plan is that you need him and you need God. People are a source of God's grace that is necessary for you to grow. You see, sometimes we pray for a miracle. God send a miracle and he sends you a friend. We pray our hearts out. God send a miracle and he does. He sends you that friend to walk through life with you, to text you and encourage you, to pray for you. And a lot of times we overlook our friends because that's not my miracle, but he sent you a friend. Could it be you're desperately praying for that miracle and he sends you someone And instead of shutting people out, embrace people so that you can grow in your struggle. God has placed Hope Rising, this church, and Pastor Welby and I in your life to help you maybe identify some pain points and help you to grow through that struggle. I encourage you, dive in with both feet. I know a lot of you guys have, and man, I'm just watching God transform your lives Jump in, join a group, faithfully attend Sundays, hop into growth track and start serving and making a difference with others in in this church. Grow through your struggle. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. This says, humble yourselves before God under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've all heard that scripture, right? Resist him standing firm in the faith. You know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of stuff, the same kind of stuff, suffering, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ After you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You see, the faith before you have that struggle, the faith before you have that pain, will get you through your struggle. Don't jump ship in rough waters, but cling to Jesus in your faith. Lean into Christ, and after you've suffered for a little while, he'll restore you and make you strong. So if you've been in church um, any length of time, I'm sure you've heard the Apostle Paul, heard about him a little bit. And in Acts, we see um, Paul's life kind of unfolding So if you don't know who he is, he's kind of a big deal in the Bible. He wrote a lot of the scriptures. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul is actually Saul. He used to be Saul. And he hates Christians. He hates believers. And he actually kills them. And he goes around killing Christians. And he he hates them. And he's just not a really nice guy, right? So one day he's walking down a road and, and God blinds him. And he's, he's like, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul is like, oh, man, I better change my ways. So then he converts to Christianity. And then he starts preaching the gospel that he persecuted. Paul's a bad dude, but God changes him, right? And then Acts 28 and 29, he is in and out of prison. And 
One of the times he is shipped from one prison unit to another location, and they're actually on a ship. And in this ship, they have a shipwreck. So man is like, he's preaching Jesus, you know, like Pastor Welby and I do. He's preaching Jesus. He gets thrown into prison. He's on his way to the next prison, and his ship has a wreck. And thank God everybody on the ship, including the prisoners and the guards, they live. But while they're swimming, they swim ashore, and Paul starts to build a little fire, right, to keep them warm and to eat food and things like that. So Paul reaches for some wood, and he gets snake bit. So he can't catch a break, right? So he's in prison. He's getting transported. There's a shipwreck. He goes on to do some good stuff for people, and then he gets a snake bite, And then after that, he goes to prison, and then he's in and out of prison until he's executed at the end of his life. So I didn't tell that story about Paul to be like telling you that you're going to have a horrible life and you're going to die at the end of it. (laughs) I didn't say all that to say that, but I did say that kind of offered that Paul, if he hadn't gone through what he went through in his struggles, and if he would have jumped ship and he'd be like, I'm out of here, can I challenge you? that the suffering, the pain, and the trials that he went through in his life, if he didn't do it, we may not have the Bible as we know it, a reference and a guide on on how to struggle and suffer well, a pillar of our faith and our souls. You see, your struggle today, can I offer you that it's beyond you? The things that you struggle with today may be for future generations, Your struggles may be that so that your kids can have freedom. Your struggle today may be so that your great-grandkids can have freedom. So a generation doesn't have to struggle with what you've struggled with. I know as parents, and I know my parents too, that they always wanted better for me than, than they had for themselves. And I'm sure that's you. But maybe your struggles go beyond you. And I believe they do. I believe that if you stay the course, that if you let joy grow in your struggle, that God will meet you and he will take that wreck, that shipwreck of your life, and he will turn it into something beautiful that he can use to help other generations. So Hope Rising, when you struggle, lean into Jesus who suffered well, who suffered strong, Actively practice that gratitude every day. God, thank you. Thank you that I'm going to make it through this struggle. And lastly, let that joy grow in your life. And when you do these, I know that, that you will experience joy that you can never imagine during the greatest struggles of your life. Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.